Let's be honest, there's going to be times when you're facing disappointment and you're not sure what to do, where to go, how to move forward. As we continue with the series, Where Do We Go From Here? We're reminded that answers and direction can always be found in the Word of God. Let's jump in. Tonight, we're going to move forward in our series entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? We began this series discussing the subject of wounded soldiers. We learned that God has provided us with all that we need to be effective as soldiers in his army. He does not want us to walk around hurting and wounded because, quite frankly, he loves us too much for that. We learned that we can't be very helpful in ministering to others, especially unbelievers, if we are tending our own wounds. We want to be soldiers in God's army that are strong, built up, loving, and free of wounds ourselves. In part one of this series, a specific assignment was given based upon the word of God that will provide freedom to whoever decides to complete it. It will allow them to join us in being more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I have to share something with you. I have spoken with quite a few people regarding that assignment that was given. And for many people, they actually, because there is no other word to explain it, but they actually have a fear when it comes to completing the assignment because it's going to unlock some compartments that they have in their mind and in their heart that they really do not want to have to deal with. And I can understand that. I really can understand that. And of course, we all know, it tells us in Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. But notice, it said God has not given us that. It doesn't mean that we never have to contend with it because we also have an enemy that's constantly giving us thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. I just want to remind you that fear, the acronym for it, is false evidence appearing real. So rather than not complete the assignment, trust me, should you choose to take the time to complete it, it is worth everything. For me to have completed that assignment and received the freedom after 51 years of being held bound, trust me, it's worth doing it. So please don't shy away from it. Have trust. You don't even have to trust me. Trust God. Know that he loves you and he's never going to put you in a position to hurt you, to harm you. He only wants the best for you. So just go on and move forward and complete your assignment. The purpose of this series anyway is to push the envelope, if you will, to make each of us think about our current position. Then provide us with guidance on how to proceed to our desired destination similar to a roadmap or a GPS. As we move forward in the series to part two, we spent some time discussing the matter of where is the love? We learned how we as a congregation want to be recognized for our love. When people come in to visit us, we only have one time to make a first impression. Oftentimes when people come to church, they may not be believers. 
They may not know about the good news of Jesus. They may not have been taught anything about the gospel of grace. We may be the first experience in a Christian environment, and we certainly don't want them wondering where is the love. We were reminded that Jesus, what we were reminded what Jesus commanded us to do in John the 15th chapter. So do me a favor and turn to John 15. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. That's John 15, verses 12 through 17. And I'm going to read it to you quickly out of the Amplified. And it says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. I do not call you servants, slaves, any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, working out. But I have called you my friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from him. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have appointed you, I have planted you, that you might go and bear fruit and and keep on bearing and that you may and that your fruit may be lasting that it may remain abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name as presenting all that i am he may give it to you this is what i command you that you love one another we spent a little time discussing how we need to check ourselves in this area and make sure that we're not treating our brothers and sisters in Christ inappropriately. You know, like coming into church and avoiding a person that we see because we don't want to speak to them or giving the ushers a hard time if they ask us to be seated in a certain way, you know, certain place and, you know, just having a behavior that is truly unbecoming and no way, shape, or form uh, a display of God's love. So we know we all need to work on doing that. Sometimes, to be very frank, you have to do it by faith because it's not always the easiest thing to do. It's always wonderful to love the lovely. You have to exercise your faith to love the unlovely. But you know what really helps me with that? I sit and I think, and since I know I am so far from perfect and God still loves me, I sit and think, my goodness, he put up with me. I certainly can go ahead and show some grace to, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we learned all of that. We touched on those things. Uh, We touched on the fact that those of us that are born again, we are children of the most high God. We are made in his image and likeness. As he is, so are we. Furthermore, let's look at Romans, the eighth chapter. And we're going to read this together. So it's Romans 8, and we're going to look at verses 37 through 39. So when you get there, let me know you have it by just saying you have it. Okay. Everybody has it? Great. So this is Romans 8, 37, 39. I'm going to be reading it out of the New King James Version. So whatever version you have will be okay. Let's start. Ready? Read. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor 
any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. With that being said, we completed the second part of our journey with the understanding that each of us would think about how we can be more effective in allowing the love of God in us to emanate. Moving forward to part three of our series, we're going to concentrate on the subject of gratitude. Now, the dictionary defines the word gratitude as a noun. It is the quality or feeling of being grateful or thankful. Synonyms for gratitude or words that are similar may include acknowledgement, appreciativeness, grace, gratefulness, honor, indebtedness, praise. CCC East, how many of you will join me in taking a moment to praise God for our new pastor and first lady, Pastor Kevin Adams and Minister Melody Adams. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Praise God. Would you agree with me (laughs) that we have a lot (laughs) to be grateful to God for? As he answered our prayers and provided us with a new pastor and first lady, since we know the character of God, we know the character of the God we serve. I believe that he has blessed us with more than we could think or ask and that the best is yet to come. Praise God. Hallelujah. I further believe and thank God for our new facility in Jesus' name. Now, you see how we got so excited and we could show gratitude for that because we have our new pastor? But being your authentic selves, because remember, when I stand before you for this series, I want to deal with our authentic selves, not the selves that, you know, you say all the stuff that is the right thing to say. We all know how to do that. I'm talking about your genuine, real self. How many of you were doing that excitement that we just shared? How many of you were doing that when we first began this series? It's a rhetorical question (laughs) because I know that some of you were just hoping that, you know, maybe we would get a new pastor soon and wishing, but you really hadn't entered into the realm of gratitude like you just did until after Apostle Price made the announcement. Now that's okay. That's why we're spending some time learning about the importance of gratitude. Now, how many of you know that when you are born again, you will still be faced with temptations, trials, and tests. Okay. In case you didn't know, (laughs) turn with me to James, the first chapter, and we're going to look at verses two through four. Now, if you look at it in the New King James Version, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Well, for those of you who've been around for a while, we've learned from Apostle Price that the comma should be placed after the word joy. And that changes the whole entire meaning of that verse of scripture. Because it would be, my brother encountered all joy comma, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience. Of course, my favorite translation is the Amplified. So I'm going to share that with you really quick. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. So the word establishes that we will encounter some challenges. It's a part of our maturation process. It is okay and necessary for our development. How many of you, now this may be going back, but you might, you know, you're so smart. You you probably got it right there. How many of you remember the process of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly? I mean, it just doesn't happen overnight. It has to go into that little cocoon and it has to sit there and then it has to really struggle and work hard to get out of the cocoon and that's how it it develops its beautiful beauty as a butterfly. But what a lot of people do not realize is in the midst of the struggle, while it's in the cocoon, it's fighting the whole time it's in that cocoon trying to get out. But what's so important about that process is there are certain oils and things that are in the cocoon that as they're fighting it's actually oiling and helping to develop their wings so that when they come out of that cocoon they can fly and be the beautiful butterflies as we know them. However it's been proven that sometimes people may see the cocoon and feel like oh this is so sad let me help and they open the cocoon. When they do that they've killed the butterfly. So it's part of the process. And this is my favorite subject. How many of you know that diamonds, the most beautiful diamonds you can imagine, flawless, starts out as a lump of black coal? It's the pressure. It's the intense work that goes into developing it into that sparkling diamond. So you see, when we're going through temptations, trials, and tests, it's not because God does not want us to have anything or he, you know, doesn't love us or he's allowing it because he wants us to be the very best that we can be. So as believers, if you are going to grow through some things, that's good because that means you're maturing. And I think that that's a good thing. Some of you may be growing through a challenge or two right now. Notice I said challenge and not problem. Since we always win, as long as we operate in and believe on the word of God, we only have a challenge because we know we're going to win. Now, something that A.R. Bernard says that I truly appreciate is that we live life on levels and we arrive in stages. Please turn with me. I'm going to say that again because I just, it's a statement that's one little sentence, but it's extremely profound when you stop and you meditate on it. We live life on levels and we arrive in stages. Now turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to look at the fifth chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 19. And I'm going to read that for you out of the Amplified. You have it? Yes? 
Okay. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16 says, Be happy in your faith, and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually, always. Be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and meditator of that will. Do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. Now, I have learned (laughs) along this journey called life that there are times when that particular verse of scripture is not always the easiest thing to do. Now, I don't know. Maybe you guys you know, were born again, and you just arrived, and you never had any challenge with being able to just operate in just thanksgiving and praise. But you see, I am an open book just for you, because I want you to grow through some of the things that I have walked through, so that perhaps maybe it may help you, and you may grow thereby. So I am willing to share whatever it is, because I just feel like God has allowed me to grow through some things for that reason, just so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. And I'm at this station in my life where I am thoroughly convinced that I just want to do that, which is about his business, and I don't really mean it, it doesn't matter. So with that being said, I'm going to share a little story with you about, I was born again, August 24th, 1984 at 11.07 p.m. It's so funny, I think, when I say that, because I remember that very moment. And it's so precious to me. But anyway, I was born again at the time I had three children. And, you know, things are going along. You know, my husband's working, I'm at home, blah, blah, blah. You know, everything's fine. Okay, well, our lights were about to get shut off. Now, you see, these are the kind of stories that everybody's not willing to share. Because, again, it's not a big rah-rah moment. It's kind of like, you know, in the natural, if I was shallow, I could be embarrassed. But, see, I know who I am in Christ. So I'm not, so I'm going to share it. So the point being is our lights were about to be shut off. Out on Long Island, it's now called Lipa. At this time in the story, it was called Lilco. It's, I guess, equivalent to your Con Ed. And during this time, they didn't have, because this was within the first year of my salvation, they didn't have cell phones and stuff, you know, like they have now. Um, And all that you had, I think at that time, I think they had beepers, but due to the fact that my husband is in construction, for me to go beep him was not helping, and it wasn't wise. Besides the fact, I already knew that it wasn't like he was going to pull money out of his back pocket at the time to pay for the bill. So what am I going to go beep him for to ruin his day, right? So anyway, we owed $600. Now, keep in mind, this was like 30 years ago. So $600 30 years ago, I don't know. For all of you economists, I know every seven years, inflation changes. So just imagine it's thousands of dollars, okay? I had $600. I mean... At the time, I didn't have $60, okay? So where was I going to get 600 And they were so nice, you know, they come and ring the bell and just tell you this is it, meaning you're out of notices, you're out of everything, the lights are going off. 
And I'm sitting there and my second daughter, Tiffany, oh, she's gone through so much with me. We're sitting in the living room and I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do? I have three kids for us to have no lights. This isn't, this is just not right. So I said, but wait a minute, I'm born again now. So I have a father who promised that he's going to meet my need. I need lights. Okay. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. And to top it all off, this is why I just know God has a sense of humor. I called my dad, my earthly father. And I have to tell you, my earthly father never, ever, if he had something, if it, okay, put it to you this way. Because some people say I was spoiled. I always say I was just very loved. I never asked my earthly father for anything that he did not give to me. I mean, he, that's just the kind of man he was. So for me, I think a lot of times it makes it so easy for me to just expect the heavenly father to just give to me because he's God. And this was just my, you know, father. So anyway, I called him up and I just knew, oh, dad, he's going to have the money. And he didn't. And I was like, what? You know, I'm like, hold on. This is my ace in the hall. What do you mean you do not have the money? And I'm sitting there, you know, and the kids are playing. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I guess I'm going to have to really take this word. So I said, well, I heard in church, they talk about the sacrifice of praise. And I'm like, that's about all I have left. Okay, I don't have anything else to do. So I got Tiffany. I said, come on, we're going to sit up and we're going to just sing praises unto the Lord. She's a little girl. What does she know? We sat in that living room. We praised God. I sang every song I have. Can you imagine they had to endure that too? But anyway, we sang praise songs. I went into the break front and pulled out the candles. And you know, when you really praise the Lord and you really are grateful, it doesn't, nothing seems so bad. You know, it really doesn't. It's like gratitude is that spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. And I just sat there, we praised the Lord. I went, I got the candles and I was grateful I had matches because that at least meant that, okay, when it gets dark, we can at least light the candles and we're just going to sit in here and praise the Lord. And I figured that's how it was going to be. Well, my father calls me up and he says, you'll never believe this. A lady who I knew of, but didn't really know, he shared the situation with her and the woman gave me $600. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't even know her. She, and I thought it was a loan. That's what I really was thinking, that it was a loan. She actually gave us the $600. So see, for me, I learned real quick. There's something to this gratitude. There's something when you have an attitude where you're just grateful that it makes all of the difference in the world. But the other thing I learned, that that was an experiential building block for me that I would be able to later on go back to and draw upon. When I was a child growing up in the Baptist church, they used to always open up every service, especially every prayer meeting with singing and testimonies. Now, I've learned since that time, bless their hearts, that many times they were saying things that were really negative and without, they didn't realize it. I don't, I don't believe they realized it. But you know, things like I'm an old sinner saved by grace. I think they were doing that really because they were trying to be humble. But, you know, in them trying to, to be humble, I mean, I can think of some of the things, but I still 
recognized that they were grateful to God for being there. They were grateful to God for the privilege to be in church and to be able to pray and to be able to share things. You know, things, you know, they would say things. I woke up this morning clothed in my right mind. But you know what? That's not such a bad thing. Because when you consider the fact that when we go to sleep, we wake up and God has kept us all that time, there was something to that. I don't think there was anything bad about that. Now, those of us that are born again and we live during this time frame and we've had more teaching, we realize that we're royalty in a kingdom that's not of this world. We understand that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and that we're the head and not the tail and, you know, and all that good stuff. But still, I don't want us to ever get to a point where we throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. They had the old saints. They had a spirit of gratitude. And I think we can all learn something from that. I mean, when you think about it, when they used to say, God woke me up this morning, what do we now say? Every day above ground is a good day. Same similar type thing. We just aren't saying any negative words. But it's important that we hold on to that spirit of gratitude that they have. Now, along life's journey, we've already established that we're going to face some challenges. Turn with me to John's gospel, the 16th chapter. This is Jesus speaking to us. So this is John's gospel, the 16th chapter. We're going to look at the 33rd verse, which is one of my favorite in the whole entire Bible. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. (laughs) And it says, I have, this is Jesus speaking now. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Oh, that to me, if you can't be grateful after hearing that, well, we'll pray for you. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter what you're walking through at this moment. It doesn't matter what kind of temptation, trial, or test you may be going through. Understand that it is temporal. It is subject to change. I don't care if you are sitting here right now and you don't have a job. See, again, I'm being real. You know, I'm just going to tell you like it is. You know, you could be in a situation where, okay, you have a job, but things are not the way you're accustomed to them being. You know, it's a little bit tighter than you would like for it to be. You know, you may not have the abundance of groceries in your house that you're accustomed to having. You know, you might look in the fridge and you might find like, mm, three sausage and a carrot and two or three tomatoes. And you might look over in the cabinet and you might find a can of beans and maybe some corn or something, and you might find a cup of rice. And you sit there and you look at that and you say, wow, I have to come up with dinner and I have to feed the family. And this is what I have. It's not a lot, but I'm going to tell you something. You take that, you add your creativity, but more than anything, you add your gratitude and you can come up with one of the best soups you ever had. (laughs) And in addition to that, 
You have enough to feed not just your family, but you can have guests over. Now, I'm not telling you something. I'm thinking I've lived this. I've done this. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. And I'll tell you why. Turn with me to Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 14. Matthew's gospel, chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 15 through 21. And we already know I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. But when I saw this, I got really excited. And it starts in verse 15 where it says, When evening came, the disciples came to him, meaning Jesus, and said, This is a remote and barren place, and the day is now over. Send the throngs away into the villages to buy food for themselves. Now to set this up a little bit, in case you don't know the story, people would come to hear Jesus minister. And I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a little handful of people. They would come and it would be like a whole mountainside of people just to come hear him speak. So this is what happened on this particular day. And you know, they were there a long time. So the disciples started getting concerned and they were like, well, Jesus, what are we going to do? You know, send them away so they can get some food for themselves. Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. (laughs) They said to him, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Sounds a little bit like my three sausage and a carrot and, you know, can of beans. He said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to recline on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and blessed and broke the loaves and handed the pieces to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied and they picked up 12 small hand baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 men, not including women and children. So in this scenario, Jesus took the little five loaves and two fish. He gave thanks unto the father and he fed over 5,000 people. Iva took three sausage, a carrot and a handful of stuff and fed my family of seven and had left over. Now you, I'm not saying, but see, I am saying some people would look at it like, well, you're not Jesus. No, I'm not but he abides in me. So therefore I can do the same thing. And we need to start changing our mindset so that we get that. So Jesus gave thanks. Ivy gave thanks. Everybody ate. Everybody was fine. And that's the bottom line. We need to understand that. Don't ever misunderstand me. I know who I am in Christ. I know that I'm the head and not the tail. I know that I'm above and not beneath. I know that I can have everything in the covenant that it says I am entitled to. Every word that the Bible says, I know that it pertains to me. All I have to do is I only have to believe. I know what it's like to be abased. And I know what it's like to abound. And yes, to abound is better. But saints, I want to encourage you in your walk. Sometimes when you think, 
oh my goodness, did I do something wrong? It feels like I'm a base now. It feels like I had everything going on. What's happening now? Don't ever allow the enemy to make you doubt that. During that time when it seems like you're in a valley, don't let it, don't ever let it affect your decision. You're in the valley, but you're on the way back up to the top of the mountain. That's part of your maturation process. It doesn't mean God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. So change how you think about the thing. You can think about something negatively. You can see a glass of water and you can see it as half empty or you can see it as half full. Well, my days of seeing it as half empty, that changed on August 24th, 1984 at 11.07 p.m. Because I know what I win. I know that God loves me. I know he has the best for me. And he tells me that in his words. So guess what? Don't always look at it in a negative way. Sometimes things happen and God is actually helping us. And we don't just, we don't get it. You know, like sometimes you may be sitting in the airport and you can't figure out how you missed a flight. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, how, how could, Lord, how could you let this happen? Then later on you find out that the, the plane crashed. You didn't miss it. God was protecting you and keeping you from that. I remember once back in the 80s, my husband and I were about to get into a business. And we had everything set up so we thought. And when it came right down to it, we were short money a little bit. And I was kind of disappointed because I couldn't figure out. I was like, but Lord, I prayed about this and I just don't understand this. We did everything right. You know, we, we did everything that we're supposed to do in line with the word. And I really couldn't figure it out. But I was like, well, okay, nothing I can do about it. Cause guess what? I didn't have the money, <laughs> but you know what? God in his infinite wisdom, he helped us. Because I then found out, had we gone ahead with that amount of money, it wasn't even 90 days. All of the people who got involved with that business, it failed and they lost everything. So if we would have gone forward with that, okay, it would, be, it would not have been a good thing for us and our family. So again, it wasn't God doing anything negative. He was helping us. So sometimes when you're going through your different little temptations, trials, and tests, know he always has your best interest at heart. So glean from it whatever you need to glean so that you can go on to the next level. Don't always take it and look at it in a negative way. And that's me just being honest. <laughs> okay. Um, and I do have a sensitivity of spirit to realize that we're not all at the same place at the same time. And that's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And the reason why I'm sharing so much of myself with you, cause I can't talk about anybody else, but I certainly can talk about me. I certainly can expose myself and I'm willing to do it so that it can help you and put you in the right direction and encourage you as you reach your goal and destination of victory. Now turn with me real quickly to Psalm 50. And we're going to look at the 23rd verse of Psalm 50. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. <laughs> I told y'all when you come, just, you know, no, just write everything down because most things I do read out of the Amplified. So this is Psalm 50, verse 23, and it says, He who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me. And he who orders his way aright, who prepares the way that I may show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. Now, how many of you know that the power of the music ministry 
And the words that are contained in the songs that we listen to are powerful. Okay. Well, I'm about to share something with you that occurred to me and my family back in February, February 4th of 1993, which I believe it was a Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was midweek. Anyway, the Sunday before, we had gone to church and the person ministered a song called He Will Provide. And I loved that song. I mean, it was like it pierced my heart when I heard it. And I kept meditating on that song about he will provide. Our God will provide. Well, the day of February 4th, well, I got to do this quick. Anyway, February 4th was a normal day. You know, did everything normal. My husband was at work. And one of the things that I used to always do was prepare his food. And, you know, when he came home, if he came home late, because I think at the time he was working two jobs. Yes, because I have five children. So when he came back from the second job, I know, we could put the food, you know, in the microwave and he could eat and so forth and so on. Well, anyway, this particular day, put all the kids down to bed, put the baby. Uh, Normally, I would put her in her crib because this is my youngest child and she wasn't quite two yet. And the Lord told me, no, don't put her in the crib, put her in your bed, which... That's a no-no. We never did that, but that's what the Lord told me to do. So I was like, okay, didn't argue. Then the Lord told me to stay dressed. Now, normally by a certain amount of time, you know, you get undressed, you get prepared for bed. And he said, no, stay dressed. I'm like, you know, and I'm asking him, are you, what? You know, I mean, it's like 10 something at night. I want to, you know, take my shoes off. He said, stay dressed. I said, okay, I was obedient. My husband came home and it was a little after 11 o'clock. How do I know this? Because Arsenio Hall had come on and he always came on around that time. So I put his plate of food in the microwave. He hit the shower. He comes out. He goes into the kitchen to heat up his food. And so quietly, now all of you who know Stan, you don't think of him as this little quiet person. He so quietly says to me, Iva, I'm like, yeah. He said, I think we have a challenge. I'm like, okay. I go in the kitchen. Now, I heard this pop, pop, pop. Sounded a little bit like pop microwave popcorn. And I'm like, I know he did first thing. I'm like, I know he did not put my food aside. That's a microwave popcorn, right? And I'm hearing this, but I go in and I look in my kitchen and up on the ceiling, it's bubbling. That was the popping I was hearing. And I'm like, what is this bubbling? He goes to the back door, opens it. And did you ever see the movie Backdraft? Where the flames and the flames just came in. I was like, ooh. So he was so quiet because he had never seen anything like this. So he has on a towel because he just came out of the shower. He goes and runs downstairs. This is February 4th. Because he figures, I'll get the hose and I'll try getting this fire out. Okay, well, guess what? The hose was frozen. I go on the phone. I'm trying to get to the operator. That was a challenge because things had just changed. We were getting cordless phones. But I remember my mother always saying, just keep flashing, you know, on the old phones and you'll get somebody to come across. So I get an operator come across. She's giving me a hard time telling me this was not in her. I was in the wrong county because I live in Suffolk County and she was in Nassau County. So I'm like, oh, Lord. So I finally get her to get the the fireman to come. Make a long story short, because the clock's not my friend. Anyway, I'm standing outside with my kids watching my house burn down. Now, I'm standing there. My neighbors are coming out. Oh, they're crying. 
And I'm just as peaceful and still. Because what I didn't get to read, and I'm not going to have a chance to do it, but just jot this down in your notes. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 5. When you go home, read that. Verse 2 says... When you pa- and this is the Amplified, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned or scorched, nor will the flame kindle upon you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And I, all day, I kept meditating on that scripture. He prepared me from the time I woke up for what was about to happen. So I'm standing there in total complete peace and it was almost like if I could create this like a movie the backdrop was all I could hear was that dear sister singing he will provide so I'm standing there in peace believing my God will provide I'm seeing my house burn down and I'm grateful why because my five kids I could see them they were fine my husband he was running around but he was fine so you know what One thing that my mother used to always tell me too as a young child, I've aware everything in this world like a loose garment that you're willing to just let go as you follow Christ. And the thing, I stood there and I'm like, it's only a house. The good news is my husband is fine. My children are fine. I'm fine. God, you will provide. Whatever has to happen, you'll take care of it. And he started doing it right away. My neighbor... Who, I mean, I knew her, but it's not like, you know, this was a neighbor. I mean, she, she was Catholic, very sweet, but I mean, I didn't know her all that well. She opened up her house, got her husband to go down and get mattresses, put it on her floor, and that's where we slept. Because we certainly couldn't sleep, you know, in the street. But she did that for us. My children, I sent them to school that morning. And they didn't have anything but the clothes on their back because we couldn't go get anything. And you see, the thing I want to get across to you is I don't want you to have to have a tragedy to happen for you to realize that you can praise God. I don't want you to wait till something has to happen and you lose things before you get it. Get it now in peacetime. So anyway, I sent my kids to school because that was the testimony. The testimony was, you know what? We have our life. God has blessed us. Go to school. And plus, what was I going to do with them anyway? I mean, I didn't, you know. So they went to school. All was well. We went through that whole process. We were in trailers for 11 months. And even the trailer company was nice because actually you're only supposed to be allotted one trailer. They got there, they saw that I had all these kids, and they said, oh, that's not right. So they gave us two trailers. Then they said, I said, well, how am I going to get to them? I have to go out to get to them? They built me a breezeway so that I could just go in and out. I was like, oh, this is God. So through the whole thing, God was there. But you know what? What the enemy meant for evil, the Lord turned it around for good. Because let me tell you why. On top of all of that. The house I ended up with was a house that Stan and I had discussed. (laughs) It was things that we thought about that we wanted to do to improve the house. Well, we got all that stuff. So what the enemy meant for evil, God totally turned it around for good. Praise God. Ah, And in the midst of any challenge you're going through, 
I want you to learn the language of silence. Don't go around talking to everybody about the circumstances. Don't you even talk to yourself about the circumstances. Keep your focus on Jesus and move forward to your victory. Remember Peter when he was walking on the water? Actually, it's in Matthew. Turn real quick to Matthew, the 14th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 22 to 31. Matthew 14, verses 22 to 31. I'm going to read it as quickly as I can. (laughs) Then he directed the disciples, this of course is out of the Amplified, to get into the boat and go before him, meaning Jesus, to the other side while he sent away the crowds. And after he had dismissed the multitudes, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was still there alone. But the boat was by this time out of the sea, many furloughs. A furlough is one eighth of a mile, distant from the land, beaten and tossed by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch, between three and six o'clock a.m. of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they were screamed, they screamed out with fright. But instantly he spoke to them saying, take courage. I am. Stop being afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came toward Jesus but when he perceived and felt the strong wind he was frightened and as he began to sink he cried out Lord save me from death instantly Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and held him saying to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt that to me is, has always been a very powerful story to me because when we keep our focus on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, I don't care what trial you're going through. You walk on the water. It's not until you begin to start talking about it. You know, when you have $5,000 worth of bills to pay and you only have $800 in your checking account. When you start talking that, you can expect that the bills are going to have a challenge. But when you sit there and go, okay, well, one of the things Jesse Duplantis says that I love uh, Jesus, you got mail, okay? Because, you know, uh, he promised to meet the need. So you have to adjust how you look at things, adjust how you think about things. And gratitude, it's a wonderful thing. It's something that we have to develop that attitude. It's not something that's just going to happen. You've got to work on it. You've got to try to especially work on it during peacetime. Because when you think about it, God lives on the inside of you. So I don't give a care what you're going through. It doesn't really matter. If you choose to be grateful and positive, you know that you're going to have victory as long as you continue to trust in him. And for me personally, when God allowed me the privilege to be his very own daughter, to be a king's kid, it just didn't get any better than that. I mean, I I just, I know who I am and I know I'm going to have victory, not because of who I am, but because of whose I am.
And that makes all of the difference. Turn with me to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. And... I might be able to do this. Okay, Colossians 1. I want us to start looking at verse 9. Now, I want you to keep in mind that Paul is writing to the Colossians in this passage of Scripture. His purpose is to show the Colossians the character of Christ. As believers, we are rooted in Christ, resulting in us being alive in him, complete in him, clothed in his righteousness. Therefore, it is inconsistent for us to live our lives without him or by putting him on the back burner, so to speak. Let's look at Colossians 1. I'm going to start reading the ninth verse. And I don't have to tell you, it's going to be where? The Amplified. Okay. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight in the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing and end by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper and clearer insight, acquaintance and recognition. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. Now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation, for it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service, intervention, and in and for him. And he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist, cohere, or held together. He also is the head of his body, the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he alone is in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, powers, and attributes should dwell in him permanently. And God purposed that through, by the service, the intervention of him, the Son, all things should be completely reconciled back to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace by means of the blood of his cross. And although you at one time were estranged 
accused and alienated from him and were of hostile attitude of mind in your wicked activities. Yet now has Christ the Messiah reconciled you to God in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy and faultless, faultless excuse me, and irreproachable in his, the father's presence. And this he will do provided that you continue to stay with and in the faith in Christ, well-grounded and settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope which rests on and is inspired by the glad tidings, the gospel, which you heard and which have been preached as being designed for and offered without restrictions to every person under heaven and of which gospel I, Paul, became a minister. Now, when you consider this passage of scripture, it reminds us yet again that we are part of something that is bigger than ourselves, the body of Christ and the kingdom of almighty God. So, When a challenge arises, be prepared and do as it already instructed us in James. Count it all joy because we already know we have the victory. Remember how I mentioned to you that (laughs) you can use past challenges as experiential building blocks. And I share two challenges with you that I grew through that truly helped me in this next experience, which I'm going to have to tell you super quick. (laughs) In 2006, and some of you may remember it because you served with me here during that time, uh, I was standing against uh, a physical challenge. And I really hate that I'm going to have to cut this short. But anyway, the physical challenge, I will never forget when the doctor called me. I was uh, in lens class, crafters, with my youngest daughter. And it was a contact exam. So this was like a big, you know, special time for her because she was getting her contacts for the first time. And we're going to make a whole wonderful day out of it. So she was in. I get the call from the doctor. So I go outside and I'm standing in front and that's when the doctor is pretty much telling me to get my house in order because she really kind of thought I was going to die. And I say that like that and I can actually laugh about it now. But at the time, let me tell you, we sit up and we tell people all the time, yes, you're going to believe the report of the Lord. And we know that. But remember when I told you fear false evidence appearing real. When somebody tells you that they really believe you are going to die, that gets your attention. It really gets your attention. And I remember saying to her, that's unacceptable because I have a husband. I have five children. I have a lot to do. I'm not ready to leave here now. So she explained to me how I could go. She, you know, said she only wanted me to go to one particular hospital and meet with the head of oncology and all of this stuff that I was going to have to walk through. And I had to realize, okay, I have to go back into my little 15 year old daughter and I have to appear as if all is totally well. And I stopped and I said, wait a minute hold of yourself. I went back to some old experiential building blocks and I realized, you know what? God turned my lights back on. God gave me food when I needed it. God rebuilt my house when I didn't know where I was going to have any. He put clothes back for my children. He gave me the house that I was really just dreaming of. Do you really think I have to be concerned about my life? It belongs to him anyway. So I said, I'm going to just turn this whole thing around. And I just started to praise the Lord. I lived with a complete 
attitude of praise. And I really want to finish this. I've got about 30 seconds. Do you want to just hang in there with me for just a couple of more minutes? Do I have your permission? Okay, praise God. One of the things that you do have to learn when you go through things, you may not be able to share everything with everyone. I cannot underscore that enough because people may love you, even people in the body of Christ, and you tell them that the doctor gave you some information where he thinks you're going to die, and before you know it, they have you dead and buried and everything else all in there. You have to keep some things to yourself between you and your heavenly father because he, the thing I always remember is Jesus is the only one who died and stretched his arms for me. As much as I love my husband, he did not do that. Jesus did. So in my moments where I really need to talk about this, I stand didn't even know some of the stuff the doctors were telling me because I just didn't think I could, I couldn't handle anything other than the word. I I couldn't even handle conversation. All I can handle was the word. I concentrated on nothing but the word. And I share with you today, I don't care what you were walking through. You get in your prayer closet. You clothe yourself in nothing but a garment of praise. Praise stills the avenger. It's like the old game of freeze tag where, you know, you just want the person to stop. Okay, well, you want the enemy to stop you start praising the Lord. You start having a complete attitude of just gratitude. And I'm going to tell you something. The enemy backs up because he realizes, oh, I can't do this with her or him. So that's something that you really, really need to do. Now I'm going to fast forward real quick (laughs) to this past April. My husband was seriously challenged. And I'm not going to share his story with you because that's his to tell. But I will say that as a wife of 39 years, when you are not expecting, and it was totally unexpected, no symptoms, no anything. And the doctors, oh my goodness, it's amazing what they can do and how negative they can be. So much so, I actually had some of the doctors just call me. Don't even talk to him. I don't even want him to have to put up with this. Just talk to me. And I would sit, and I'm going to tell you now. I had to stand with everything I had in me. I had five children who I could not share everything with. Because I didn't think, quite frankly, even though I praise God that my children are born again and spirit-filled, they love the Lord, they're serving God, but I just, I couldn't run that risk that they might even say a word that was wrong. So it was just me and the Lord, and me and the Lord, and I stood upon those experiential building blocks. They became front and center, and I just continue to praise God. And I'm going to tell you something else about how important music is. You see, the music that I had stored in my heart and the music I had in my car whenever I got a chance to run home and take a shower, it was God's word. That's how come you guys saw me. I love the song. Okay, Lord, you are holy. That became my anthem. That's what got me through this time in April. That's all I heard. I didn't hear blurred lines. My lines were not blurred. I was very clear that God... God, you are holy. And I submit to you, the holidays are coming. Give people some music. Give them, because that's a ministry. Wonderful gift. Doesn't cost a whole lot. I, I really ask you to do that because sometimes people may be in a position, they, again, they're at a stage in their life. They may not know how to pray. They may not know all that there is to know. But you can give them some music that will minister to their spirit and will help them in a way like nothing else. We need to do that. So CCC East, 
We've grown through a lot, especially in this past year. And I know all of you have a story to tell. And I submit to you that God has allowed it for those of us who have the courage to endure. He just blessed us with Pastor Adams and Minister Melody. And like I said earlier to you, I believe the best is yet to come. I believe our new facility is right around the corner. And this you're going to have to do on your own because I did run out of time. Read Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Jot that down. Read Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. You can read it in anything you want. I'm going to read verse 34 for you in the Amplified, where it says, So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is my next assignment to you is I want each and every one of you, if you are willing to grow, start a gratitude journal. And we have smartphones now, so, you know, so, because I know that women might be more apt to write, and men are like, I ain't got time for this. Okay, but you can take your smartphone, and I don't care if it's one line, you write that one line, because your journal will end up becoming your experiential building block that you can turn back and look at and say, oh, wow, look at how the Lord got me over this and got me over that, and it'll give you something to stand on. We need to develop our attitude because when you really think about it we have so much to be thankful to God for and we need to really really work on developing a true spirit of gratitude praise God thanks for listening our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith at Crenshaw Christian Center New York we believe that the word of God is practical for everyday application feel free to stay in touch with us via social media or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.